Join Hanson Scotty Friday from noon to 3. Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic will be live in studio to discuss an FDA-approved breakthrough and permanent solution for ED with no pills, no surgery, and no needles. DJ and PK, it's time right now to talk college football with Tim Brando from Fox Sports. You heard him on the broadcast as the Utes routed UCLA. He joins us right now on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Tim, good morning. Good morning, fellas. Good to be with you. Good to have you back on the air. Uh, you hit on some topics during the game that are of major interest around here, which is, of course, why you hit on them during a blowout. You had plenty of time to freelance a little bit. And so I'm uh, curious, though, for the people who didn't hear, maybe the fans who are at the game watching it in person, uh, your take on should the Utes be, are the Utes a top-four team? And regardless of whether you believe it or not, do you believe the committee will believe it? Or are you looking at Alabama and Oklahoma and thinking those brand names are going to carry the day? Well, I think you understand where I come from with regard to um, the inconsistencies and the contrived transparency of the college football playoff committee. You can rest assured uh, they'll find a way to find what's wrong with Utah before they find what's right, and then they'll look the other way and uh, with the same set of circumstances facing one of the pure playoff privilege, that being a brand name like Alabama, uh, find a way to prop them up and keep them from dropping. That happened uh, a week ago with Minnesota. Uh, Mullins, the, the spokesperson, the, the AD of Oregon, uh, used used a stat on Minnesota for why they were where they were. Uh, and um, the, the stat could also be applied to Alabama. But he, you know, when it came to Alabama, it was, well, you know, the eye test. So, uh, you know, that's that's what they do. And uh, so it's it's always an uphill battle uh, for teams from the Pac-12 that don't have cachet. And I think it's even worse for Utah than it is for Oregon because Oregon is the team from the, the Pac-12 that's had recent success. They're the most recent team to go into the college football playoff. And, um, and generally speaking, from a TV standpoint, uh, by Pac-12 standards would be the the linchpin, you know, the the, um, the Ohio State, if you will, of, of ratings. Uh, Oregon has always had a great following. Uh, it's earned that. That's a lot of sweat equity. Uh, their fan base travels pretty well. And they also watch. Uh, and they developed a, a brand during that uh, great run of Chip Kelly. So uh, that has carried through for them. Uh, so it's, it's going to be more difficult for Utah than it is for Oregon. Uh, in large measure because of that, and also Oregon's schedule is, is greater than that of, of Utah's. Uh, you know, who they chose to play and did play non-conference versus uh, who Utah played. But if you also watched uh, the, the show that uh, preceded us with Urban Meyer and, um, and uh, Brady and, and uh, Reggie Bush and Matt Leiner, I think they all expressed the thoughts that uh, Utah looks like a college football playoff type team, uh, and they certainly do. And uh, you know what's what's missing is that um, that signature win against a uh, you know a top twenty five team. And I think that that opportunity for them will come obviously when they get to play Oregon. Uh, listen, the um, the uh, the loss to USC was a tough one. It was against a third string quarterback, but it was on the road. That didn't seem to bother Georgia losing at home to South Carolina to a third-string quarterback, a team that's not nearly as good as USC's. But, it, you know, the warts are there, and they'll be brought up. Uh, they, they always are. 
I'm wondering, Tim, if there can be some type of, I don't know what you would call it, but just a, a, a foundation to have like guidelines. And what I mean by that, as far as choosing the four teams, if you go 12 and one, and obviously you win your league and you win your league uh, final game and all that stuff, which in this case would be Utah. They, we already know they, they'll have to be Oregon. So, you know, we, we recognize Oregon has a better chance, but specifically for the Utes, and it could be any team, any conference really, you go 12-1 and one and you've won your league in the league final that you take precedence over a team that doesn't win its league. Is that something that could be done? <laughs> no. Not in the current format, because they built this thing with the thought process in mind that these scenarios could pop up, and the protection had to be there for the so-called best teams, which is code for brand names. Uh, and God rest his soul, he did a great job as commissioner of the SEC, but Mike Slive swung a lot of power uh, when this playoff thing was put together in the aftermath of the BCS. And he was the one that basically just, uh, you know, drew the line in the sand and said, uh, listen, if it's about championships, we're in trouble because in the divisional breakouts of uh, power conferences now, uh, you could have a situation where a three- or four-loss team might win a division, get to play for its conference title. Then what do you do? We have to protect ourselves from a three- or four-loss team getting into the fray. By example, last year, Northwestern, uh, had five losses, and they played for the Big Ten title because the Western Division was so much weaker than the East. Um, that's why that was put in there. But, you know, the idea that uh, champions, it, 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 championships and champions should be a criteria, it is a criteria, but it's one that they'll only use when they want. You know, it's up to their discretion, the committee's discretion, when they use the various criteria that, that are listed, and there's so many of them that they can use the criteria as a crutch to hide behind whatever opinion they come out of here with. And and that's the problem. Uh, we will not have, to, to remove the subjective aspect of uh, the choices of the top teams to go into the college football playoff, the only way we can do that, gentlemen, is by going to eight teams. Because then you could say that you have to, you know, championships would matter. Uh, in the Power Five conferences. And then we'd have two wild cards, and then we could have a um, group of five team, which I think deserves an opportunity to be in the, in the college football playoff as well. You know, those, those teams in, in virtually have no chance. You know, it, it's interesting to me, the UCF of this season, we got about five of them, including Utah. <laughs> you know, it's Utah, it's Oregon, it's Minnesota, it's uh, Baylor, it's we can go on. All those teams are Power Five teams, and teams like Memphis, Houston, UCF. Now they 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 don't even get to sniff it because of the the process that we have in play. I've always said that if we went to eight teams, we would guarantee the conference champions. And if what Mike Slide was discussing could prohibit that from happening in the current format. If we had a champion with three or more losses from one of the power conferences, at that point we would give the committee the opportunity to review whether that three-loss champion was indeed worthy of being in the college football playoff. At that point in time, we would allow subjectivity to come into play. But, but let's, let, let's let it play out on the field. Let's have legitimate criteria where teams are actually winning their way in based on success on the field. To your point... I think that's what we need to do. 
But in the current format and with only four teams, that will never, ever happen. We're taking quite a bit of blowback from Utah fans for saying a lot of what you just said as far as it's a massive uphill battle for the Utes. Now, their path to get there, obviously they have to win out. There's eight one-loss teams, assuming the three unbeaten Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU run the table. There's one spot, and these eight one-loss teams are fighting for it. Now, one thing that factors in here is how many of these one-loss teams get a second loss? We know the Big 12 title game, the Pac-12 title game, ensure that a couple of teams will take a second right. loss there. Ohio State, can if they beat Penn State this weekend, they beat Minnesota in the title game, they knock two more out. Do you think Auburn will beat Alabama and give them a second loss and knock the tide out of this conversation? Well, you need to root for that, yes. I mean, you need to have Alabama uh, pick up that second L. But, but let me say this, too. I think that the case for Oregon and for Utah, either one, uh, is improved greatly um, if, if Alabama is the team that's being debated as opposed to uh, uh, Georgia and LSU. If, if Georgia were to beat LSU in the SEC championship game, uh, I think that absolutely closes the door on the Pac-12 entirely because those two teams are going to get in. Georgia would have won the SEC championship. Uh, LSU has four wins against top ten teams at the time that they played them. Uh, and even with a defeat, and I'm, again, I'm assuming that LSU and Georgia would be a highly competitive game if Georgia won. Uh, if that happens, I'm telling you, two teams from the SEC are going to get in. But if LSU handles Georgia, Georgia picks up its second loss, you eliminate them from the conversation, and now the debate becomes a one-loss Alabama that once again did not play for its conference title, but as was the case a few years ago, got in anyway and went on to win the thing. When they're discussing in those, in those rooms at that final, that final meeting, who are the four best teams? If Matt Jones looks good coming in for Tua Tagovailoa and Alabama rolls Auburn and they have one loss, that conversation piece versus a one-loss Pac-12 champion is going to be a difficult one. But I think it's one that the Pac-12 has a better chance of winning than if Georgia were to beat LSU. I think you've got to hope for LSU to beat Georgia and for that debate to be about a one-loss Alabama. Perfect case scenario for fans in the Pac-12 would be, for either Oregon or for Utah, would be for um, LSU to beat Georgia and for Auburn to beat uh, Alabama. If that, that happens, I think it really opens the door for you. Um, something else that you have to remember, too, though, on the outer skirts of this conversation is that Oklahoma is also a big brand name. They're part of the pure playoff privilege. And they have in Jalen Hurts a lightning rod talent that has... Um, Heisman pedigree to him, and is uh, one of those guys that that you could say, "Gosh, wouldn't it wouldn't it be?" You'll hear this, boy. Wouldn't it be a shame if Oklahoma, with only one loss and two wins against Baylor, uh, and they were really dominant, maybe in the in the Big Twelve championship, really be a shame that that kid wouldn't have a chance to play in the college football playoff? That would be the other competition for that spot. Uh, now, I think that uh, that's one that Oklahoma should not win. I would take Utah or Oregon right now over, over OU. But it's one that will pop up if OU handles Oklahoma State in Bedlam and then plays Baylor again in a rematch and blows them out. 
Yeah, I agree with you 100% on that one with Oklahoma and the Hurts uh, story and all that being a brand name. The way I look at Utah, you know, they they – they, I, they could have controlled their non-conference schedule a little bit better and play some more P5s, but their conference schedule is what it is, and it's really not yeah. their fault that this conference is down this year and is really mediocre at best outside of Utah well, and Oregon. We can say the same thing about Clemson. I mean, we can For say sure. the exact same thing about Clemson. The only yeah. difference is they have Clemson's a history. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that for me, the the reason why I think if Utah wins out and beats Oregon, why I d- believe they deserve to go, is I asked Kyle Whittingham this, and you can speak to it because you've called a couple of games with uh, for the Utes playing here in, in recent weeks. Is in my mind, you talk about that eyeball test, and I asked him how many seniors on this defense do you think are NFL prospects, and he listed at least seven, and that doesn't count yeah. Jalen Johnson, who's a junior and is going to play in the NFL. So you're looking at eight potentially. Of the 12 or 11 starters be in the NFL. So to me, that means, yes, Utah passes the eye test, and yes, Utah Utah can compete with these teams. I don't even factor in the brilliant season that Huntley and Moss are having, but just defensively, if I've got 75% of their guys going to play in the NFL, that's good enough for me. Right, I'm with you. The the problem with the eye test is that not enough eyes are watching when you're playing at 1045 at night on the East Coast. Which I think is that—that's what you're playing this week. Now, last week yep. we had you in prime time. Last week we had you in prime time on the East Coast, which I think is helpful. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the game in the aftermath of it all did get a little bit more run. Utah's been more of a talking point with the talking heads uh, whenever college football has come up. But that's another problem: is college football is not getting enough conversation during uh, the week in electronic media uh, as it once did. I think. That's a, that's a real byproduct of, you know, what we've had happen here with uh, the, the who's in mentality that, that really only four or five teams matter. I'll give you an example. I was watching before you guys called me today while I was working on my boards for Wisconsin. And, uh, I was doing some paperwork on my game for Wisconsin and Purdue, a pretty important game for the Badgers this week that uh, Spencer and I are going to have. And... Uh, <laughs> I've got ESPN on in the background, and what was the conversation piece? All right, how, how good is Mac Jones going to do for Alabama coming in for Tua Tonga-Vailoa? Mac Jones probably this week and next week will have more uh, PR and more conversation than Tyler Huntley ever thought about having. And he's been, in my opinion, one of the most efficient and uh, most impactful quarterbacks in the country this side of Joe Burrow all year long. Uh, it's just a real problem. And uh, uh, my, old, my old friend that I worked with uh, a generation ago on college game day when we started, Pino Cook used to say, you know, I always forget the mountain time zone. And, and it's true. Uh, you know, Oregon gets more run than, than Utah does. And the mountain time zone is, is problematic. It was, you know, a generation ago. It still is today. Um, that's just one of the things you have to fight. And um, I believe that, 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 that Utah, from both an offensive and defensive standpoint, could stand with any one of those teams and beat any one of those teams that are in this conversation. Absolutely no doubt in my mind. And, and I would tell you that even though I haven't had Oregon this year, I will. I believe we're going to do, in all likelihood, uh, it's not been made official yet, but there's a very good chance we're going to do the the um, Civil War game to close out the season uh, up in Eugene. 
So I think there's a good chance we'll be be there for that. But I had them at the end of last year, and I know I've seen you with my own eyes twice, and you were very impressive both times. If if Utah played Oregon right now at, at, at uh, Levi Stadium, I'd pick Utah. I think they're the most. Uh, I think they're a more complete team uh, than Oregon right now. But my opinion uh, doesn't matter, and um, it may matter to some fans in, in uh, Salt Lake, but it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. The, 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 the issue still remains that the, the who's in conversation all season long means that most of the media focus is on these brand names and only these brand names. So when the subject matter of Utah or Oregon comes up, most people that are in the central time zone and the eastern time zone, they couldn't name they couldn't name two or three players on your team. I've, I've been, I live in the South. I live in the SEC. And I'm telling these people <laughs> that are around me, hey, uh, there's three talents offensively, the Hallandale three, that could be in the SEC. In all likelihood, should be in the SEC. But Dennis Erickson went out and recruited his butt off while he was there as a running backs coach. And uh, with the help of, of a few other people, they were able to get these guys uh, out of Hialeah Gardens and a few other places in, in South Florida next to Miami. And look at what you've got. You know, Simpkins is an incredible uh, receiver, uh, dynamic receiver. Huntley's, uh, as I said, uh, the most efficient, undervalued quarterback in the country, ought to be invited to New York, should be in the Heisman conversation and isn't. And uh, Zach Morris is just a warrior. I mean, he's like uh, uh, Marshawn Lynch light. Uh, he's going to be a big-time pro. He can catch passes and run it right up the gut. He, he can beat you with speed and power. Um but but these these kids are largely anonymous because of not just the, the region of the country we're discussing, but because of the uh, the laziness of the of the way the sport is covered by the electronic media in college football today. Do you think it's laziness, or do you think it's market driven? It's the fact that seventy percent of the people no, in America live no, in those two time zones. No, no, it's laziness. If, if all we have to talk about is Alabama, Georgia, LSU, uh, Oklahoma, Ohio State, uh, Michigan, if all we have to talk about are the Blue Bloods, then that means there's more time to discuss Harbaugh, there's more time to discuss you know, controversial coaches and big names to get in you know, with, with these debate shows that are out there now. And they're on ESPN as well as my, my network. Fox is running them at nauseum. Uh, if we limit the, the, these, these shows that we're seeing primarily on, on ESPN and Fox to embrace debate, conversation, dialogue, then no one's learning anything. There, there's, nothing, there's no information out there. Uh, and even on the shows that, that I'm, I'm really proud of, our college football show on the weekends, I mean, it's marvelous. I think what uh, the Big Noon kickoff has done has been fantastic. But you don't have a show on a regular basis on FS1 that is dealing with college football on a regular basis. And we really don't on ESPN either, unless you want to go to the college football live thing, which is, is to me, you know, not a very good show and not one that I, 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 uh, I pay much attention to. Uh, the NBA, the NFL, and all of the, the, the drama that surrounds both of those leagues, their owners and their players, uh, and to some extent their commissioners, that's what hogs all of the airtime. And when it comes to college football, rather than really covering the entire landscape, the media chooses to pick out the five or six because it's easy with the who's in brand. Uh, the, the branding of this process has helped bring college football to its knees 
in terms of coverage for all of the programs at the Division One level. I really believe that. I think it's been a disgusting and pathetic process that has taken college football, which during the BCS era was clearly getting a lot of attention. I mean, a lot of attention. And now that we've expanded it to four and it's become this who's in thing, we've dumbed down the conversation to a point where most people outside of their region don't know very much about any of the other teams around the country. Tim, as always, we appreciate the time and the opinions. Thanks for coming on the air. You bet. My pleasure, fellas. Anytime. All right. There's Tim Brando. Yeah, he's basically saying what we've been saying, what I wrote. I mean, that's the whole gist of it, is that they're going to get hosed. It's not particular to Utah. It's the whole mindset that the Pac-12 has an uphill battle the second the season starts unless you go undefeated, and other programs and other conferences don't. And the exposure issue, I wonder if they could go in the next contract. If we have teams that once the college football playoff poll comes out are in the top six, top seven, they can't play at 8.30 at night. They have to. The latest they can play is 5.30 Mountain to try to do something to get exposure. I like it. I mean, you got the Utes. They're going to play. He's right. It's going to be 10 friggin' 30 this yeah. week. It's too late. Yeah. It's way too late. And they were in primetime in Fox. And that, right. That... It, I think it had an impact. Uh, it made it easier to see. Now, I also think that people went away from the game and went and watched Oklahoma Baylor because it, well, it was it a was blowout, but at least you got some exposure to the Utes. At least you knew they blew UCLA yeah, off the field. Right. You know, and you were, <laughs> if you lived back east, you were awake when that and was happening. And you see Los Angeles is somewhat of a brand name, even though they haven't lived up to it in years. It's Everybody true. knows of that name. It's true. And so get some exposure. We cannot, if we get in the top seven, we can't play that I, late game. You've got to slot us earlier. Yeah, the one thing I disagree with him on is I think it's market-driven, not uh, not laziness. I think it's business. I think it's follow the money. It It's a business. That's why people go to work to make money. And there were, there were people doing good reporting from ESPN all over the country, and ESPN had layoffs, and they fired a bunch of them. The people who did the talking head shows largely kept their jobs. And I think the reason they talk more pro sports than college sports is the pro sports are in these huge mega media markets and more, more people watch because people want to watch what's happening in their backyard. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. the reason the weekend sports shows flourish here in Utah. You can't well, get that stuff on ESPN. On. I, I'm on. Right. But you come on and talk about the backyard. You, 90% of what comes out of your mouth over the course of a year there, at least. It's factually is, based. It's very smart. It's hilarious. It's <laughs> musically gifted. We're breaking up. <laughs> but most importantly, it's jazz, it's youths, it's cougars. Right. It's the stuff in our backyard that we care about. Mm-hmm. And on a lower, smaller level, Aggie fans, Weber State fans, Bees fans, RSL fans say about you and I on this radio show and on Talking Sports what everyone else is saying about the rest of the country. But it's market driven. So I don't really look at uh, Feinbaum when he's on ESPN and think that guy's lazy. I look at him and think he knows what drives the ratings. He knows where his bread is buttered. And he knows the higher-ups at ESPN will whack him in a heartbeat if he talks about stuff people don't care about. Yeah, okay. And it doesn't mean that he doesn't know about Baylor or Utah or Oregon or Oklahoma. 
but he's talking about Alabama because that's what drives college football talk. And Tim Brando was spot on about that Alabama segment. You and I saw it on the TV in here, even though we had the sound down, the graphic was up. You knew what it was about. It was all highlights. How good can they be with their backup quarterback? If you give us any reason to believe in you, we're going to put you in the playoffs. If Alabama beat you, or if Auburn beat you, Alabama, then we'll move on to somebody else. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Here are the headlines. The Jazz beaten by the Minnesota Timberwolves. 112-102. Carl Anthony Towns, three big three-pointers in a fourth-quarter run. Minnesota outscoring the Jazz 23-4 to take control of the game. They get the win. Same two teams in a rematch in Minnesota Wednesday night. Listen to it at 6 o'clock right here on The Zone. Utah State blows out Texas San Antonio 82-50. Sam Merrill leading the Aggies with 21 points. UVU loses at ninth-ranked Kentucky 82-74. Southern Utah loses at UCLA 76-61. And tonight, Weber State hosts West Coast Baptist in Ogden at 7 o'clock. BYU announces a contract extension for Kalani Satake that runs through the 2023 season. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Diamond Airport Parking. Begin and end every great trip with Diamond Airport Parking. Diamond offers car to curb service, 24-7 airport shuttles, fantastic rates, complimentary bottled water, plus no one beats the friendly staff. Diamond Airport Parking just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save. That's Diamond Airport Parking. Big Show. Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? Kalani Sataki has been extended through 2023. You and I have said time and again, he should be extended. BYU took its time getting there. I think this has been on his mind. You're only human to think about that extension and your contract and what's going to happen in the future. I would have guessed the resistance was coming somewhere other than Tom Homo. Tom doesn't want Kalani to fail. That's Tom's hire. But what happened should have happened. And now Kalani will be around till 23 and maybe longer if he continues to grow this thing in the direction it's headed right now. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Everybody wants to talk about, well, was it this since the Penn State game, the second half, or, you know, why is your team better? What's the biggest thing? I mean, uh, the team's just been improving, been getting better. I mean, you can't, can't plant potatoes one day and expect to eat potato salad the next day. There's some time, time to develop. That's Jim Harbaugh right there. How come you haven't beaten Ohio State, won the Big Ten, and gone to the playoff? Well, have the opportunity to beat Ohio State, so he's kind of boxed himself in there. And what's uh, what he isn't going to have is a chance to go to the playoff. No, that's out the window for yeah, sure. He's got two. He's got two losses. He's not going to not going to win the division. He's not going to be in the Big Ten title game. No, but you can beat Ohio State. That would be a positive. Get him to get to ten and two at least. Oh, that's a huge positive. Ten and two is a heck of a season. They got a thirty-five fourteen loss at Wisconsin and a twenty-eight twenty-one loss at Penn State. They did wallop Notre Dame. They could beat Ohio State. That'd be a positive. But it's Michigan, and they won a national championship, and they're not winning the division. And I'm sure he's feeling that. So he's come up with it takes time. All right, you're in your. How long you been there though? <laughs> How much time do you need, buddy? Uh, Harbaugh, there. I want to say, is this six years? Yeah, he's having a pretty good run there. 
Not good enough, apparently, uh, to no. be coming up with excuses. No, it's not good enough. It's, uh, He's over against Ohio State. That's the biggest. Yeah. Yeah, we get it. This is year five for him at Michigan, not six. It's five. All right. Uh, we talked about another coach who got a contract extension, Kalani Satake, and they got bowl eligible, and he got the contract extension a couple minutes later. So in retrospect, all the conversations that Tom hinted about, you can see where they were going, you can see what they're thinking, and Kalani learning on the job, first head coaching job, year four, bowl eligible three times. Basically the conversation when Tom said, oh, we're on the same page, we talk. If you're not bowl eligible, I can't give you an extension. That'll be two times in three years, and your big year will be seven and six. Get bowl eligible, we'll reload, and keep scrapping to get better. That was basically the conversation. And he got bowl eligible, and Tom put on the shirt. Well, plus they've got so many young guys. They got they only start three seniors on each side of the ball. Now, Tom has spoken of leaving, so that would be a fourth one if he goes. And I don't know about transfers or what have you, but the point is that it looks like they've got something developing. You know, I don't know it's going to be 11-1, and one, but they've got something. And you can't get in that cycle of hiring and firing coaches every three, four, five years. It just doesn't work. Which school all, has proven that to you? There's 100 of them. I mean, basically all the teams in the South, except... In the Pac-12 South. Yeah, except Utah. They've all been mediocre to one extent or another, and they've all three, four coaches since the, they've uh, expanded. You're going to go against someone already. I'm hearing stuff on him in Tucson. Oh, what the heck? I mean, who, he, I, that doesn't mean you stay with someone who's incompetent the whole time. I get that, but you just got to be awfully careful about getting in that realm. And the thing that I like about Kalani is he was hired with the understanding that this is independence and you have to make this work. Bronco's heart was not in independence. It was clear. And he got out because he had won a bunch of titles in the Mountain West days. You know, he had that great run from 06 to 09 where they won 43 games. I mean, they were really good. (laughs) And then it was slipping away. Well, Kalani takes the job knowing what the parameters are, and you've got to make it work. They need a BYU guy who can sell the BYU experience more than ever, and he can because he can walk it and he can talk it because he lived it. Played he, for four years, had the mission after his freshman year, so he can literally and tell ha- everybody all about the 90s. And how to negotiate the honor code. Let's just call it like it is. There's, uh, you know, He wasn't a saint when he was there. I can tell you stories. I'm not saying he was out being a big hellraiser either, but there's things that he was exposed to, and they know how to work. And and as he gains more credibility, I think he can have more credibility with the honor code folk too. And there doesn't need to be an adversarial relationship because the problem here, it's one of the you have that in a lot of institutions between academic and sports, where the academic resents the amount of money that the sports people are making. So there's this conflict. Well, then you throw in the honor code there, and they have resentment because BYU turns away thousands of kids every year. And so you better be pure and clean. Why should we let these guys in? what they're doing yeah and so then you have those issues that come up and so your own people to an extent are working against you and and come at me and take all the shots you want but i'm only repeating what they've told me not just they (laughs) i mean well literally they 
not just he. They. They, absolutely. Multiple coaches. They. Multiple sports programs over multiple decades. Yeah, they know they can trust me. I'm not going to give them up. This isn't new to this era of coaches and this setup. No, I can recite all sorts of stuff that will just make you pull your hair out if you're a BYU fan. And the funny thing is the BYU fans, they agree with the coaches. I, I told them about one guy was asking me, and he's a faithful member of his faith for sure, longtime BYU fan, and he's asking me about uh, Tyson Williams. And I said, yeah, he's got a beard. It's going to be interesting to see. He says, good. I hope he grows the beard down to here, and he points down to his belly button. <laughs> they don't care about that stuff. They care about you know, be a decent guy and help the team win football games and go to class. All this other, these peripheral rules that they've got left and right. I had one one guy say, so you're telling me I can't grow my mustache two inches below my mouth? Why is that? I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't think it has any effect on your performance whatsoever. So that's why I love to see those particular polys get all tatted up because it makes all those old blue hairs all queasy. <laughs> <laughs> you come conflict in all things. It does. It does. They've told me about it. And they've told me that I've even had guys on the staff tell me, well, the polys can get away with it because it's their culture. But if white guys start doing it, then we get grief about it. They've, that's what they've told me. No, I don't give a crap what they look like. I don't give a crap you taught what your uniforms are. I don't care. And I don't care about this other stuff. I'm just repeating what they've told me. So Kalani gets a contract extension right in time for the two toughest schedules on paper. Maybe the teams won't end up being that good. But on paper right now, the two toughest schedules of the independent era. We talked about how hard this schedule was, but they got six Power 5 teams next year and seven the year after. Although I think this year's schedule, the degree of difficulty was overrated. Hence the stuff on paper, because then you look back in retrospect yeah. and say, and, and it always comes down to, well, are you facing the second-string quarterback or the third-string quarterback? Are you facing a team like Minnesota in what is an average year for Minnesota or what is their best year in decades? Obviously, well, they Minnesota next year. They yeah, do. And Minnesota's having a great year right now. Well, what are they going to be next year? I don't know. Neither do I. I don't know enough about Minnesota. We'll hone in on them when they get but to play them next that's year. That's 13 Power 5 games in the that's next great. couple of years. But, and, and they're getting a big dose of Pac-12, which we've been talking about how mediocre the Pac-12 is, so let's not dress that up like it's all that. Maybe no, league, but... Maybe the league will be better in a year or two But that's right still, now. schedule as many Pac-12 right. teams as you can. Well, they got a home-and-home home with Arizona State, so how about that? That's good. Playing the Utes and the Devils. Well, that that's great. I mean, as many Pac-12 teams as you can play, you people get excited about it, and there's some frame of reference in Utah State and Boise, and then they go San Jose State and Houston, two your better P or non five and, and group keep, of five, whatever they right. call them. And obviously they keep uh, the Aggies and the Broncos. That's too. what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's that's even a great schedule even when they're season. not playing Power Five, they're they're playing high level Group of Five. And and the great thing about it. Next year, if you lose some of these games, you're not going to take grief to the level that you took with Toledo and South Florida. South Florida. You took a lot of grief, deservedly so, in those games. You should not have lost those they games. They have a MAC game. They do go to Northern, Northern Illinois. Illinois. yes. And on paper, 
that would look like the second easiest game on the schedule. They got a money game with uh, North Alabama on paper what, in November the year before. I get it. Right. They don't. What they don't have is uh, the three game stretch that they're in right now, where we could look at that as soon as the schedule came. You're out. halfway to bowl eligibility <laughs> and say, "Well, there's three and zero. So know. all you got to do is pick off three more games, and you're good to go." All right. So we talked a lot about that. We talked a lot about the Jazz as well. Back to back losses. Go to Minnesota and win. You got a couple of home games against teams that look pretty vulnerable right now. The Warriors, the worst in the West, and the Pelicans are coming in back to back. It's weird, two home games on Friday and Saturday. So I like the back to back when they're home. I think more teams should have those because obviously you don't have to get on a plane and there's no reason for yeah. you to go to bed at four in the morning unless you choose to. Uh, but, you know, a lot of talk on shot selection. Yeah. And I really hope that is the central biggest issue because that can be corrected. The coaching staff can correct that. And if that's the case, they will correct that. And they'll be fine. They'll get in the 50s. And then that's probably where they should be. And then we'll see what the seed is and who they play in the postseason. And that remains to be seen. That's a long ways away from now. But I'm not going to stress over a cup a couple of early season losses because I don't think that Minnesota is that bad of a ball club. You think they're that good? I think they're good enough to come in here and beat you on any given night, yes. Yes. But if they end up 500-ish, that won't surprise you. Uh, Yeah, I guess so. It depends on the injuries and whatnot. But uh, I I think on a a given night, you've got an – I don't know that he'll make All-NBA, but you've got an All-NBA talent in Towns. The list of teams who would be willing to clear max space for him is a pretty long list. In multiple leagues. <laughs> multiple leagues. What other leagues do you well, have in mind? I mean, University of Arizona. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> well played. All right. Where do you go to college? Kentucky. Enough said. He's a Jersey kid. Enough said. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone, catching you up to date on everything we have been talking about today. And it is brought to you by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. BYU Director of Athletics Tom Homo announcing a contract extension has been finalized for head coach Kalani Sataki. I'm glad that he's extended. I'm glad that they're showing him some confidence. But for BYU to come get out in front of this and be like, well, we're just showing how much confidence and how much we love this guy and how much we believe that he is. Well, there's some guys back there that they weren't so confident. They didn't have that belief. But Kalani shut their mouth with a couple of big wins over Boise State and Utah State. Got themselves bowl eligible and now we get to see Kalani's guys come off missions we get to see Kalani move forward as a recruiter and I'm excited to see the future of what BYU holds now with Kalani Sataki. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network I don't understand all the negativity either as a Utes fan I want BYU to win all their games other than Utah because it helps with our non-conference schedule. It makes it stronger. Time for your feedback. Everything you think about this show brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Can the Utes have two wins over eight and four teams plus a win over 12 and 1 Utah. That uh, would be uh, BYU and Washington winning Oregon out. Oregon 12 and 1 you mean? 12, yes, Oregon 12 and 1 and BYU and Washington winning out and getting to 8 and 4. 
And USC winning out, so at least the loss is to an 8-4 team, not 7-5. and five. USC's only got one game to I, go. I think that ship has sailed, though. Can't buff up the schedule. I you just can't I, make it shine anymore. I don't It is know. what it is. Yeah. I would be more concerned, now that Oregon's is clinched, that they don't have a letdown in their final two games. Don't lose to Oregon State, who's having this comeback season and could make their year by taking you down. And they're they're in, they're having an average season for them a great season I get it and it's a big step the Devils forward. this week who they're five and five and they've lost, lost four, four in a row. row so they're taking on water don't the only way that can happen is if it, Oregon screws it up I I see no way that Arizona or Colorado beat the Utes it's absolutely none even if the Utes were to turn it over four times which isn't really their problem this year but if they had one of those games. I think they'd still win those games. And normally that third and fourth turnover sink you, but I think the gap's so big it wouldn't sink them. No, the only thing you're hoping that uh, you cannot have happen is Hundley get hurt in either of these two games, and then he's not ready to go or not close to 100% uh, in three weeks. That's it. Otherwise, you're gold. And then you beat, you beat Oregon, and you deserve as a bunch of consideration to get in. Have to have three or four things happen for you to get in. Maybe they happen. Maybe they don't. I'm we talked with Tim Brando, and he basically sees the season laying out the same way we do. That the, the number of one-loss teams, there's eight of them now, and certainly four of them will lose, and maybe five or six of them will. His big thing was to circle the two SEC games. LSU has to win out and beat Georgia in the SEC title game and give Georgia a second loss, and Auburn needs to give Bama a second loss. And even then, Jalen Hurts has got a national rep. Oklahoma's got a national brand. For sure. You can fear them. But there's at three the things. top there's, of the list, SEC, things. yeah. And then can Baylor or Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma? I personally think Oklahoma's going to get in ahead of uh, Utah, Utah. If, if they win out. That's and I, but people hear me saying I hate the Utes. I'm saying nothing that <laughs> but Frank Tim Brando Dol- came on and, and said Frank the same Dolce, thing. one of your own, has said it. I know. So hear and what you hear. As long as you hear, I don't really care what you hear. <laughs> All right, DJ and PK. Perry, I want you back one more time, Yak. I just I want you back. Please come back. Do we need Carrie? I ran a poll question about the Utes and the uniforms, and she was highly offended. Mm-hmm. And she's not going to listen anymore. Mm-hmm. And we've got one message for her that we're hoping to deliver here very soon. It's not working. So, Sniggies, take it. Baby, come back. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. <laughs> and I danced while I sang. <laughs> well, they go together. <laughs> you can't, when the, music, when the music grabs you. Exactly. you yes. got to move. Welcome to my life. <laughs> All right. If you're wondering, I'm going to be singing... Baby, come back. For about an hour now. Around 11 o'clock, I might, I might move into a little, little Starlight vocal band, maybe. Uh, after 10, you can do whatever the crap you want. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Tony and Austin are next. We'll see you.